Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Narrowgate Podcast. My name is Benjamin Hoover, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist out of Roseville, California. And uh, I'd have to say, you know, it's what it's been a little over a month since I have uh, really posted anything. And last Wednesday, I posted a writing um, called True Religion. And, uh, and so today I'm going to explain that and I've been wanting to put this out there and for whatever reason that I'm not entirely certain of, I just did not feel compelled, uh, to, to post this and now I am. So, um, welcome, welcome again, once again, and hello to everybody. And I have a lot to talk about, um, because this is again like this is in um, in coordination with that writing I did on true religion. Um, I am going to actually be connecting a lot of things. So a true religion to uh, um, to uh, some of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is talking about, and some of the Beatitudes, and then this uh, concept called mindsight and intimacy, and uh, I think that's it. That's a lot, right? Um, so buckle up, strap in, because um, uh, and hopefully you can follow me. Hopefully I can follow myself. So uh, so I had a um, actually had a gathering. I would say it was a little over a week ago. So not this last Friday, the Friday before, and it had been on my heart to do this because I had this waking up, if uh, you will to this understanding of religion. And and so I and all these people in my life, I I wanted to share it with them. And because in, not everyone's on the same path, I would say, we there's definitely some clear differences, but there's some of us some of the people in my life that have been wandering away from church, the church, church culture as I have been. And uh which has been like a really weird and exciting and wonderful journey. Um, it's, it's odd, honestly. Um, I, my immediate go-to is to say, well, th- I'm doing it wrong and I need to do this and I need to change this. And, um, you know, I, I've got to go to church and I've, I've got to do this more and I've got, you know, that's, that's our default is we start getting afraid or I start getting afraid, worrying, thinking like, well, I'm not pleasing God. And, and, uh, and, and so, boy, I need to, I need to just muscle up here and let me, let me just kind of plow the Bible and attend services and that'll do it. Um, that'll, that'll eradicate the, the, uh, the discomfort. But the reality is the discomfort is a good thing. Um, there's, there, I've just felt unsettled for a long time, um, just going and attending a church service. I definitely have a desire to be a part of a community, but, um, but I've wanted things to expand beyond my community, the culture I've been a part of, because um, there's just things that I've seen differently that I just I don't agree with anymore. And so you know you'll hear a lot more about that. And um, but um, but I wanted to kind of just lead off with that. So I had this group, and then I, I shared all this stuff. So the the first thing I kind of shared about is. Um, uh, <clears throat> I've started to realize now why I'm a therapist. Um, it's been a long, I would say, cloudy journey. Uh, I didn't understand it. 
Um, I would just have this passion and I would be sometimes emotionally moved to, to, to work with people in this way, in this arena, um, you know, emotionally helping them grow, helping them connect again. But, uh, but it still just, still wasn't settled. You know, I just, I think it often got contaminated with, um, I should be doing more. I need to do more, even though this is this was the lane I was in. This is all that I'd been given. These were just the road signs that I had to follow. So it didn't. I, there wasn't any sign that told me to turn anywhere else. So I have stayed this path. So just briefly, I, I went to Sonoma State back in two thousand three. Went there for two years. I went there for criminal justice. Thought I'd be a detective. Um, you know, I like the idea of solving cases and. And, uh, you know, just had this kind of cinematic view of, of detective work, you know, standing in the, you know, in the rain with the, with my, my hat covering most of my face and, you know, not really smoking a cigarette, but kind of smoking a cigarette and, um, you know, staring over the body, just starting to piece clues together, um, which was fascinating that I was drawn to that aspect of, of detective work was kind of the, the investigated investigative uh, element to it. So I didn't last long. Uh, needless to say, I didn't last long in that uh, that major. And I debated between sociology and psychology, chose sociology, even though I didn't know what the hell really I was doing with that. People just told me, certain advisors told me, you know, you'll get more jobs this way. I thought, okay. Then I had a really, really hard time my sophomore year. I would say that this, this, um, the second year or the second semester of that sophomore year, um, really, really dark time. And when I say dark, I mean just emotionally heavy, um, really felt alone. I had gone through a breakup and, um, and finally had come to terms with it. And uh, yeah, because that was messy. And I can go into that another time. But um but it was just, it was, it was very, it was just a very heavy time of loneliness. And so I thought, well, I'll come home. I'm looking at this, this private Christian college, um, in the Rockland area and, uh, they have counseling psych. That sounds interesting. Talked with my parents, they were on board and then, you know, came back home and I, uh, ended up going there kind of was kind of half committed Really, I mean, I I would pay attention, <laughs> kind of. I half-assed uh, my college experience to some degree, but there were still things about the counseling psych program that I loved and enjoyed and uh, um, was fascinated by, and and definitely would uh, um, elicit this passion. And so, but I was still uncertain. I didn't think afterwards. You know, do I want to go to grad school? Do I want to pursue? being a therapist, a licensed clinician, yeah, I don't know. So I took three years off, and I worked at a drug and alcohol group home, and started off well, and then eventually, not too long after, just took a steep turn, and I just was dreading it every day, just did not want to, um, I didn't want to go to work. I, I did not like the aspect of confrontation. It wasn't a takedown facility, thank God, but, um, but I definitely did not like the uh, the confrontation aspect, even though it was, a, I think, a great setup and a great program, I think having to deal with it and 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 work in that kind of environment and setting in that in, in that way, uh, it 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 didn't click for me, and so finally, 
um, talking with the old therapist of mine at the time, you know, he just, in a way, helped give me permission of this just isn't working. So I decided to get into grad school. And then grad school was quite an experience because I had maybe over a dozen existential crises, you know, the, the, those, those moments of tension and discomfort of, um, and questioning of why the hell am I doing this? But then there'd be moments, I would say each semester, sometimes multiple moments, sometimes just one significant one that was enough, uh, put enough fuel in the tank for me to keep going. Um, it was enough of a flashing neon sign that said, stay this path. And so I would, cause I would, it would, again, it would elicit this passion. And there was also this movie too, that I loved called Ordinary People. And I can't remember when I watched it. Um, it was, I think it was before, no, actually it was after grad school. Well, or maybe before, I'm not sure, but I love that dynamic between the therapist and the client in that movie. And the therapist was so genuine and, and he was just, he was, he was authentic and real and helping Conrad, the character in the movie, um, work through this really entrenched grief and, and also these relational dynamics between he and his mom and his dad and, and then his brother who's deceased. Um, it, it was, it was fascinating and so beautiful. And I cry every time I watch that movie. So again, something about that draws something out of me, pull is pulling something. And, um, so, you know, then I finish grad school, get into my internship and it's kind of the same deal. Um, I'm back and forth. I'm not sure I'm beating myself up. I'm all like, they're just constantly in the, the shroud, the, the, the shrapnel or the shroud, shroudedness. I don't know if that's a word of, um, or the shrouds, I guess of that's, I don't even think that's a word. I can't even think of a word right now. Um, the, the murkiness (laughs) of, uh, of, of why I was doing this, why I was in this field. Um, I just was constantly questioning, and yet I also had this ability to connect really well with people. I just would experience things, and sometimes I couldn't put language to what I was encountering in session. And, um, and yet I also mixed with this hunger of, I want to help people. I want to I know what's going on and put language to it so I, I can help them. Um, cause what a, what a beautiful opportunity to work with people and for them to open up. So I, um, and I, I started, uh, my old supervisor then became my therapist and we started meeting and, um, started working through some, um, the, the, a lot of personal issues that I hadn't yet, uh, faced that were still shadows in my, in my life. And so that then, uh, led to now um, having a lot of like spiritual awakenings and deeper encounters with God and my eyes opening up and, and uh, just this expansion happening um, of perspective and, and love and care and seeing things from such a different framework like sin. I'm going to be talking about sin because I, I feel like maybe it's just me, but I feel like it's been so off in the way it's been seen and it's really not a bad thing actually. I, I, well, I'm, let me take it out of that category. It's not this it's not this bad word as we use it. It's, it's a descriptive word to help us understand and actually grow. So, um, I, I sidetracked there. So back to, back to where I was going. So, um, so yeah, so then about a little over a month ago, I had this, um, uh, insight, this awakening or revelation, if you will, um, in the middle of the night about religion. And then that started to connect why, 
why I'm here on this earth, why I have these passions, why I, I wrestle with and feel the holes in the way sometimes church would treat people and or just people in general would react like something like to each other emotionally and I just you know and respond to each other in, in, the, in the arena of each other's feelings and just something just felt off and missing to me and I could never put words to it. Um, it was just, I would just beat myself up because I thought, well, I'm just weird and, you know, and wrong. And, but, but it became the clarity set in and I started to see why, why I'm a therapist, why I became a, a therapist. And so, um, so that leads into this revelation. So, so, and I'll explain, I'll connect all that. So I wake up in the middle of the night little month and a half ago. And now when I make wake up in the middle of the night, it's to, it's to urinate. And then if something's on my mind, uh, I will think about it over and over again and really get nowhere. So this was a very different experience because I woke up, I went to bed about 1130, woke up about midnight and, and I had already been previously weeks before, you know, chewing on this word religion. Now I wouldn't say it was really chewing on it, but I just kind of thought about it here and there. But then this this um, religion just came to the forefront of my mind, and I started to just kind of study it and 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 look at like what what does that word come from and what does it mean and and uh, and and so and so for two hours in the middle of the night from twelve to about two in the morning, I'm crying on and off and um, both kind of feeling the sadness of of I think um, how religions in the world have missed it. And I'm talking about all religions, um, not one above the other or whatnot, or more than the other. And, and, and yet also moved that I was seeing this, that this was being revealed to me. And I say that, that this was being revealed because I believe that, that something was revealing to me. I believe it was God, you know, this divine presence. And I know that might sound weird, and it is kind of weird. So, you know, that I agree with you. It is weird. I'm with you in the weirdness. It is the way God works, the way this universe works. It is bizarre. So, um, but I don't have moments like this where I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm chewing out a word and I'm crying and I'm moved and I'm, it's actually, there's actually movement happening. I'm, I'm going somewhere. It's not this anxious thought pattern where I'm looping. So, so... So the word religion, this is what I started to, to study, was religion originates from the Latin word religare, R-E-L-I-G-A-R-E. -E. And, uh, and so re means back or again, and then ligare means to tie or bond or connect. So the word religare means to, to reconnect. So religion which stems from the word religion, which stems from religare, is about reconnecting. Fascinating, I think. And, and so, again, in my deductive investigator mind, I, um, I followed that. And I thought, okay, well, so um, re means again or back, so that implies that there was once a connection. And I mean for all of humanity, all of mankind, there was once a connection. And even for our own selves personally, there was some there was some kind of connection and that we had and some kind of home base that we were a part of and then something happened that created this distance this pulling away and then and then staying in that pulled away disconnected place 
And so I, um, and then, and then Laguerre means to obviously connection, tie, bond. And so lig, the root word there, which is where the, the, the word connection comes from, it's where we get that word ligament. And if you notice, if you look up ligament, ligament is that, that fibrous tissue and it connects like muscle and bone and, um, uh, cartilage and all that. So fascinating, right? That, that, that's about connecting as well, connecting, binding the parts of the body together. So, um, so then I traveled further and I thought, okay, well, once there was once this connection and then this disconnect happened. And so depending on your theory or whatnot, and, and, you know, in my faith tradition, my, the theory that I go off of is this beautiful poetic, um, whether, whether these were actual people or not, um, the fact is, is it describes mankind and, and, um, and I do believe it's also historical too. Um, but it's expressed in a poetic way that there were, there were two humans that were created, man and woman, um, husband, wife, not husband, wife, but man, man and woman. Anyway, Adam and Eve, first man, first woman. And, um, you know, they eat of the, the fruit and then, and then they, um, they, they become afraid because they're told not to eat this fruit by God. And, um, and so, but they eat it and then they pull away, they, they get afraid and they hide. And then God comes and asks them questions, which is interesting because God who supposedly knows everything is asking these questions of why they eat the fruit and, um, and, 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 and then, and yet, and what he's doing right there is he's actually inviting them back to intimacy. He already knows what, what happened, right? Um, cause they hid. That's pretty evident. They got afraid and they hid and they were worried about being punished by him, but he was actually inviting, God was inviting them back into an intimate connection. And so, but what happened is Adam eschewed responsibility and put it on Eve and then Eve eschewed responsibility and put it on the, the, the serpent, the creature in the garden and also God. And so what happened there is they stayed in those defenses. And if you think about any of us, when we stay in those defenses, when we stay hidden, inevitably it creates disconnection. I mean, think about it. Like, if you have something hidden in your life that you're so terrified to share because you're so afraid of what's going to happen in the relationship, inevitably what we do is we put on a mask, we cover up, we hide, we hide the true self underneath and, and live with this mask. And, and, we, and we don't experience actually authentic, genuine, transformative, moving, dynamic connection that we were meant to have. So what happened is they pulled away from God and stayed entrenched in that. And then it created all this disorder and chaos, which I will hopefully explain all that one day. It's very overwhelming. Um, but they did. So, so, so it, it, it threw everything off, relationships and connection. And, and, it, and it actually, mankind reversed. They degraded into this barbaric. So when you are reading things in history of the way things people did things, um, yeah, there was still this primitive, barbaric, and there's still some of that today when we're, we're talking about things like rape and wars and, um, uh, uh, you know, um, vandalism, theft, stealing, um, uh, just some of the vicious things that we end up doing. Uh, there's still that component. And all of that really is a result of shame and pulling away and living in judgment and, uh, and, and, and enacting this out. So, so, 
everything kind of went off the, the rails and wandered away from, from authentic, beautiful, intimate, growing uh, interconnection happening. And so, um, so that's kind of the theory, the foundation, the origin of why that happened. And then, and then of course, that point away in the beginning has, has created this rippling effect throughout humanity. And, and we are being restored, actually. If you think about it, there is this evolution happening in mankind, which is really, really cool. Like everything that's, if you think about it, there's conversation, research happening about the bond, the intricacies of bonding between parent-child, um, between two lovers. Uh, um, intimacy is being talked about. Sexuality is being talked about. Gender is being talked about. It's actually really, really exciting. Some of us get scared about it. And I admittedly, maybe in the past I was, but I see it more as things are coming to light and, and it's allowing this ability to, to explore and and wonder and see, oh, how did this happen in this way? Why did this come out in me in this way or whatnot? And I think it's really, really neat. I, I love it. And so, um, and so if you think about it, in, in early human history, they didn't have this insight. So there's this growing, uh, expanding awareness or, or human consciousness, as some people put it. Um, and, 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 and this, greater, yeah, just like I said, just this greater deepening, enriching, expanding consciousness. So, uh, of our humanity, of God, of life, and there's this movement towards unity. Um, and that, it's just, it's beautiful. Uh, really, it's so exciting. So anyway, um, so, so yeah, so I studied, I was research, researching, exploring, following, um, in my mind, my, my way of understanding and reflecting, uh, or understanding something, I was, I was just like fixated and or transfixed on this word religion, and and so um, oh God, I, oh, go going back. So so even personally, we experience disconnection, and actually most, well, actually I would say all um, quote unquote mental disorders we talk about, anywhere from anxiety to trauma to um, substance use, all of that is is an expression of connection and disconnection. It's the, it's the desire to feel connected, but it's also this attempt at dealing with the disconnection. <clears throat> Confusing? A little bit. <clears throat> it's meant to be. It's meant to I'm try and challenge something in, you guys, in, in whoever's listening to think and see things a different way. Out of this right-wrong category and into this, what, why do we do the things we do? What, what causes us um, to react in certain ways. What's happening? <clears throat> so, so then that links, so as I was studying religion, then <clears throat> now this links to, uh, so when Christ came, <clears throat> and Christ is, is a part of this relationship, this divine relationship, um, he was spoken about in the Bible, of this Messiah coming, and, and that's, you know, who Jesus was. Enter into the scene, Jesus is, um, you know, uh, ends up uh, teaching mankind about a new humanity, a new way of connecting, a new way of living, a new way of, of an authentic love. Um, and so, so what happens is there's this thing in the Bible called Sermon on the Mount, and uh, there's some aspects on there where he's talking about new ways of living and being, and instructing, and instructing, and challenging, and confronting things that humanity has not seen. 
And so he talks about, in the Sermon on the Mount, he, st- he starts talking about these laws, right? And so um, God, you know, established all these laws when he was working uh, or moving in the Israelites, right? And trying to create a new humanity or, or showing a new humanity through them for the world to see and out of love, right? And restoring them. And so, uh, and so, but he's challenging people with these, these laws, right? He's talking about like adultery and, and, uh, and murder and, or, you know, it's eye for an eye thing. And, uh, and, and your yes be yes. And, and, um, God, I'm trying to think of anything else. There's a lot that he talks about. Um, oh, he talks about, um, that true love is, is not, uh, constricted to who is lovable, who's easy for you to love, is actually expanding to those that you've hated. Um, so, so Jesus is, is modeling and challenging uh, a, a new way of seeing and living and being in the world. And he's doing both. He's teaching and he's modeling. Uh, um, that's his other way of, of teaching and, and, or, or revealing, is modeling this love. And so... Um, so what he's doing, so for instance, let me give some examples. So he's talking about, he's talking about adultery, right? And he's, he's says, you know, basically he says, you know, you think that you've, you haven't cheated really. You think you haven't wandered away, um, and actually physically slept with someone who's not your, your spouse. Um, but but the lust that you feel that you've already committed in your heart or you've already settled and committed within that you're going to sleep with someone, like, it already started. You already did it. You already veered away, he's talking about. We're, again, let's take this out of this right and wrong, but let's look at what's really happening is you're not even turning towards your spouse. In your heart, you're turning away. You're veering away. And then he um, he talks about murder, you know, in a sense of you haven't, you think you haven't murdered, but look at the words and the things you say to that person that that that's just as destructive and murderous and penetrating you know to the soul and wounding to the soul just those words alone and that comes from this anger and and so and he you know he leaves it at that he talks about um he talks about this new way of confronting um you know he he says the eye for an eye thing like that doesn't work it just, all, all it does is it provokes more violence. And you see that in the world today, right? It just provokes more violence. <clears throat> so he, he's, he's basically, and, and people mistake this thinking it's passive when he says turn the other cheek or give that person all your clothing. When they ask for your, your, um, your one article of clothing, give, give the other. Um, but what Jesus is actually saying is, He's, he is inaugurating a different way of confrontation, one that is vulnerable, one that is naked, one that is revealing, uh, meant to be a mirror and reflection towards the other person in the harm they're doing to us. Um, you know, it's, it, we don't slap back, we don't hit back, we don't take back from them. That, that does nothing. That just perpetuates this violence. He, what, what he was... Um, uh, instilling what he was teaching or communicating was you want to know how to really change that person you want to know how to really uh, uh, address and confront um, let them see the pain show them the pain let them see what they're taking from you what how they're stripping things from you um, 
Let them, let them, let them see how badly they're hurting you. This is, I mean, so th- this is really, really important to understand that, that what is most vulnerable is when we share to the other person, when they're, in, they're inflicting harm upon us, when they're taking from us, is to show that that hurts and to confront, and to confront that. Because that stuff has to be confronted. Because it's not okay. This taking, this stealing, this slapping. Like, that Jesus would never stand for that, right? Because, because if, if he is inaugurating, if he's revealing this divine love, um, why would he be uh, um, advocating uh, being allowed to be hit, right? No, what he's talking about is, is show them that this isn't okay. But you can't do that. You won't get anywhere by hitting back. They'll just get angrier. They'll get more violent back. It, it just, I mean, if you've ever experienced that yourself, when, when you get angry and hurt someone back, what happens? They get hurt and they hurt back. And then you get hurt and you hurt back. And then it ends in, in discord and people pulling away. So the whole point is to be a mirror and reflection to that person where they have to look at themselves and look at the, why they hit, why they steal from someone, why they're stripping someone of their own, of another person of their own dignity. And so that's really, really vital. Uh, it's, it's integral in order for change to happen. So this isn't about ostracizing and shunning and saying you can't, you know, like, um, you can't be a part of the community. Although if there is a lot of danger, then yes, that has to happen. But, but this confrontation is necessary to, to invoke change. Um, so, uh, so anyway, I want to, and then, and then he's again talking about like, um, you want to know what true love is really? Love is actually expanding to all. It's, it's inclusionary. Uh, it, it invites all, it, it extends to those that you hate. And so, um, and so what Jesus is challenging here is this divisiveness, is this tribal mentality of we're good, they're bad. Um, no, he's actually, uh, he's, he's actually confronting that and, and, and changing that mindset and, that the, and challenging the heart in that way that's, that, that sees a hat, carries that perspective in life that, that I'm good and they're bad. And, and we all carry that. We all have that, that dualistic thinking where I'm, you know, this is good and that's bad. And I'm sorry, but that's just, that is, that is such a young way of seeing the world. And, and so Jesus was bringing a very, very different perspective, a divine perspective. So my question then in all this is why is Jesus doing this? Why, why is he talking about this? And because he says, I didn't, come to abolish the law, I came to bring wholeness. I came to, to fulfill it. Um, so he uses that whole world. And then at the end of uh, um, this, this stretch of his talk, he says, when you do all these things in a way, you'll be whole like my Father in heaven is whole. Or some, some translations will say, um, therefore be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Uh, which, when I read that, I think, that is such a that's such a tall order, right? Like, that's such a high bar. How are we supposed to be perfect, right? But yet, he's giving a very present command that is actually able to happen. And, and so, uh, and, and instructing and commanding people to do so, to, to be perfect, to be whole. So, the point is, is, uh, is Jesus 
is drawing people back to their hearts, to look within, to look inside. And there's, this is important to understand why he's doing this. But, but then, you know, he also talks about the Beatitudes, which if you ever look at the Beatitudes, it's all these blessings. Like it starts out with those who are spiritually poor and then it, and it ends with those who are persecuted um, and, and uh, because they're living out authentically. But there's this process of going through this emptying of what we've known, of what we've clung to, kind of the false self. And, and, and moving towards wholeness, moving towards perfection. Um, when it says, he says that blessed are, those, are the peacemakers, right? He's talking about those that live in wholeness, uh, in completeness, that are settled, that are content in themselves, that are living out authentically because they've experienced a beautiful, compassionate love. And, um, and I might break that down another time. So where am I? Boy, am I overwhelmed. Okay, and I'm sweating because it's really hot in here, but I'm not turning on the fan because it'll make noise. The mic will pick that up, and it'll be really obnoxious. So I'm sitting here in sweat as I talk about this. And uh, where am I? Where am I? So, okay, so the reason why he's he is teaching this is, to, is for people to start looking inside and, and about going on this internal journey, starting to learn about them, their own selves, why they do the things, why they react the way they do. Because, because human, humanity has never, looked, never really looked inside. There might be a few, you know, some of those people that have, but, but as a whole, at least, you know, um, well, I guess as a whole of humanity, they've been so externally focused that they've missed looking within. <clears throat> and so... So he's, he's challenging people to start traveling inside, to start exploring their own heart. And he makes like weird outlandish claims like, or, or instructions when it comes to dealing with this lust thing, like, you know, in regards to, to adultery. Um, he's making these weird outlandish claims of, uh, or instructions to, uh, to cut off your arm or your hand, to pluck out your eye. And so, and, and which is weird, right? Like, it's very hyperbolic. And there's a reason for that, I believe. Some people think, you know, well, you need to treat sin seriously. And yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe that's a part of it. But, but it's such an odd statement when he's talking about cutting off external things in order to deal with the internal. And so I think, in some ways, the, why Jesus is doing that is to for people to start asking questions. Someone who's sharp will kind of get get it. And I would probably ask the question, well, wait a minute, like how is that supposed to actually deal with, with what's going on inside? And, and, and so it's meant, all of this is meant to provoke questions. Like how does my hate for someone else actually turn into love? How does my... Uh, how does my confrontation go from slapping someone back to letting them slap me and for me to vulnerably express that that hurts, that I'm not okay with that, that that is not okay at all? And, and, and to do it without cruelty, without shaming someone, without, without beating someone down either physically or with words, how does that change? Um, how does my yes be yes where I'm fully genuine? How do I, how do I become whole? And, uh, and, and, you know, because when Jesus says, um, when he, when he uh, commands or, or paints that standard that, uh, that you are to be whole like my Father in heaven, like the, this, like this divine love, you are to be whole like that. I'm thinking, well, what does that mean, <clears throat> right? 
And because wholeness means, uh, when we're looking at perfection, he's talking about wholeness. And wholeness means, in my opinion, to be fully integrated. And that's a fancy term for saying um, to, to accept everything within oneself without judgment, to not push it away, to not def- be defended against it, to look at it um, and, and, and allow it to teach something about me. So if you have an addiction, if you have compulsive behavior, there, there's, there's a need you're trying to meet. There's something that's compelling that. Um, whatever you feel shame about is actually the thing that's valuable, that's necessary to explore, to look at. And so, and so to live out of wholeness means that we accept everything within. We embrace everything within ourselves. We don't push it away. We don't split off from it. We don't project it onto somebody else. Um, we, we allow it to be there. And so, so, so this is what Jesus is challenging is to, to begin this inward journey of looking within, of looking at the things that you've hated about your own self, that you've judged, that you felt shame about, that you didn't want to touch. You have to start looking at that. Um, now, why is he doing this and how do we do this? That's, that's my two questions. One, he's doing this because really all of mankind has been externally focused. What do I mean by that? So, uh, so I told you, you know, the whole Adam and Eve story when they, when they, um, pulled away, what happened is that, that desire to stay connected still, it, it still exists. It doesn't go away, but, but how humanity um, dealt with that is they would they would sacrifice to the gods back then, and um, and they would sacrifice like their firstborn in order to please the gods. So they they thought that these gods were wrathful and judgmental, and um, and and that they needed to please them to satisfy them so they could get what they want. So they get what they needed, right? Like crops and you know the right amount of rain and sun and all that um, to survive. <clears throat> and so they created these sacrificial systems to to please the gods so what's happening there is all of a sudden there's this external focus now now there's this fear driven insecure relational dynamic where i'm so focused on the other person and pleasing them so i can get love so i can get my needs met so i can survive right now let's look at our own personal experience that when when children uh when the roles are reversed when children have to take care of the parents needs so whether the parent is wrathful or the parent is emotionally unstable um, and, and are needing, like are very needy, like they need the children to console them, that, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to be very blunt here, that fucks everything up. It really does. And so uh, it throws off the whole relational dynamic. So now the children are taking care of the emotional needs of the parents. And what's happening there? Well, what's, what's going on is that the children then get neglected. Their own emotional needs, their own self gets neglected. Because, why is that? Because the parent's role is a very important sacred role. Is The parent's role is to actually help the child understand their own selves, understand their, their what's going on inside, their own emotional self, and the needs attached to it and what they mean and to listen to that. So the parent's job is to help them build this internal world and, and the understanding of it so that they can operate and live and listen to that and be attuned and connected to that part of themselves in order to be connected to, um, 
connected to uh, to others, and so and and what is needed in that is that they need the parents they need a compassionate other to help them understand that someone that's going to care and not push their own needs down or away, and uh, which would then inevitably create defense if that happens, and so then a child ends up um, when that gets neglected. Uh, they're not able to look at that part of themselves. They have no understanding or frame of reference to uh, to grasp what's happening. So they develop impulsive behaviors, just reacting without thought or compulsion, and uh, and and so they don't develop an understanding of why why they tried to meet that need in that way, or what what it is, why it didn't work out as well. Like, how come I feel dissatisfied? And so, so a parent's job is to help them understand that with, in, the, frame, in the, the, the parameters of compassion and love and safety and, and also discipline and challenging and uh, all that's necessary to help them live and thrive and, and, and operate the way that they were meant to operate. So, um, so that then brings up this, this concept of mindsight. So mindsight was, is conceptualized by uh, by this doctor neuroscient neuropsychiatrist Daniel Siegel, so mindsight is what he says is it's insight plus um, empathy, and so the the this an example goes like this: a child comes home from school, and their head is down, you know, chin kind of touching the chest, their body's kind of moving lethargically and slumped over. You know, and the the parent sees the child in this state, and asks them and says, "What's wrong?" And the um, and and the child, you know, in a nonverbal way, might shrug his shoulders or her shoulders or say, "I don't know." And then the parent follows up with, "Yeah, I see that. Um, you look sad. Are you sad?" And the the child might agree maybe non-verbally and oh yeah I see that you're really sad the parent would respond and um something happened today and then the child maybe kind of starts to tear up and chokes back tears and and the parent just moves closer to them and says oh it sounds like it was a really hard day and the child you know maybe the tears kind of build up but, but they're able to talk and then they talk about the situation that you know something happened at school and they were rejected by their their peers and um and the parent with great compassion says oh my god I, of course you'd be so sad about that or or I can imagine that be so sad I would feel hurt I would even feel angry and maybe the child starts to feel that anger and says yeah I am angry it did hurt and you know and and what's happening there's the child's opening up because the parent is responding with care and compassion. And and that allows that safe space for the child to open up. And for the child to connect to their emotional self and for the child to understand what their emotions mean. And and that they communicate whether where some, some there's connection or disconnection when something's missing or or not missing when something's off or something's on, something's exciting, something's dissatisfying like all of that is really really important and vital to understanding and growing and moving towards wholeness. And so the parent is doing this, and then the child moves closer to the parent because they feel heard and they feel seen, which, by the way, is intimacy, um, knowing and seeing. And so, and, and the child, maybe the parent, 
maybe the child asks for a hug or the parent asks for a hug to hug the child and 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 then the child ends up the the tears end up dwindling and and then a, a brightness returns and and a buoyancy returns and the child you know maybe their way of thanking them like is for them to just come back into this effervescent energized state and they go back to playing or they want the the, the parent to play and oh it's such a oh, it's it's such a beautiful thing so that's what daniel siegel is talking about when he's talking about mindsight so again connecting that with you know a parent's beautiful role is to help the child feel love and cared for and to understand themselves and this is what jesus was doing jesus was inaugurating this new way of operating the world which was to look within when he says the kingdom kingdom of god is within you that's a very odd statement but there's something fascinating about that and i think i want to explore that later on but the um but he's referencing this internal self that there's something in there that that when we connect to that i think we start to connect to everything in life including god and um and so and so what what is needed for this to happen is intimacy so intimacy is this experience of seeing into one another and revealing into one another. So mindsight isn't just for a parent-child. It's for lovers. It's for close, intimate friendships, family relationships, all of that. So, um, but, but the ingredients for that is both, both need to be vulnerable. It's this reciprocating dynamic of sharing and revealing oneself and opening up. And, and, and for both... To, to share maybe how hard it is to hear that other person to share that, but but still to do this in a non-defensive way. And that that inevitably will draw people closer to each other, which is in, in romantic relationships when, when people start opening up emotionally and, and revealing themselves to each other, it gravitates them towards feeling close and then wanting to have sex. And that's an expression of, of this beautiful unfolding, growing uh movement towards wholeness really really cool stuff and so uh and so this is this is what intimacy is it's it's this mindset and this is what jesus is doing he what happened is christ came and he was operating this vulnerable state right through jesus he's basically vulnerable he is vulnerable skin on right this ability to be physically harmed emotionally harmed um which by the way I think it shows in Scripture that God does get wounded. Um, you can look throughout Scripture when he feels hurt and pain and jealousy, and there's wounding happening. But he enters in the scene in humanity, and um, and he, he increases the woundingness, but he, he operates very vulnerably true in this true nakedness to other people in order in order for them to look within in order for them to see themselves in order for them to no longer be defended um to accept to to grow to change and to heal so that they can become that naked vulnerable person um that they were meant to be and that they can be fully connected and engaged in life and and indulge in the moment and feel the greatest pleasure in the now and and be completely connected um i wish there was better wording for that but that that's that's the best i can give you so um so that's what he's doing is in a way this kind of mindset concept or mindset concept and uh and so so 
intimacy cannot happen without vulnerability. And, and, and it, 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 that is the necessary ingredient, is this opening up of myself, opening up when I'm impacted and affected by what you, how you respond to me and uh, allowing the other person to see that and for them to look at themselves and, and change and grow. And so this is, this, is what, this, is, this is what is being inaugurated. This is what is in existence now. This is what is happening. And this is what is beautiful. And so this is what I believe true religion actually is. It's not this focus on, okay, God, um, am I doing this right? And I need to increase my behavior and, or, or good behavior and all my bad behavior I feel shame about. Because think about it. When you feel shame for your behavior, you then try to do better and, and, and do more good and increase this. And, and yet the problem still exists the issue, the compulsion, the, and that's because we weren't meant to operate that way. We we're meant to look within. And so, so what Jesus is, is showing us is, is to get this external focus off of, I'm trying to please God and make sure everything's okay and, and, and live in this externally focused way of trying to please others in order to feel okay inside and settled inside, which is, which is an, a relentless, unending uh, thirst it will never happen. It will never be satisfied. And so, um, so, so it's to become, in order to become whole, is we have to start looking at ourselves internally. And, 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 and that happens in the context of relationship. It happens sometimes between us and God. Um, when we're on our own, looking at what's within, feeling the emotion, listening to the messages in it, which happen once we feel through the emotion. And so, uh, and so this is, this is what's going on. This is what he's teaching. Um, and, and this is what's been revealing today through research is intimacy, vulnerability, bonding, attachment relationships. Um, this is what God, it's, it's, God is clearly communicating this. Um, and it's, and what true religion is, is it's not this, you know, this, this tight gripped on a belief system and forcing people to believe and enter into our club and, no, it's actually helping one another to become connected to our own selves, to listen to that and, and allow us to hear the messages in that because, because I believe our feelings are the most accurate, honest parts of ourselves. They communicate when something's off or when something's on, when there's disconnection, when there's connection. Because when there's beautiful connection, what happens? We move closer to each other. When there's something off in the communication, we pull away or we feel anger or we feel hurt. Um, and so... And so that is what Jesus is showing. That's what he's teaching us, is, is to be connected to the hurt, to be connected to the anger, to be connected to the excitement and the joy and the, and the arousal and the sexual fantasy and all, all of that stuff. We're meant to be connected to and to listen and to, and to enjoy it, not shut it down. And why someone is in this lustful place is because they haven't connected to themselves. Something's missing they live in this disconnected state where they're always veering off and looking for this and that and this next pleasure and, and, they, and they're never satisfied. And so they have to increase it and then they cross lines that they never, in their sober state, would never do. And so, and so we're called to do this for one another. It's not just me because I'm a therapist. It's everyone is being drawn and led and called to help each other connect to ourselves 
to help parent for parents to connect to children, for lovers to connect with lovers and to their own selves, for 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 us to connect with God in that way. It's not this mind this mindset of, okay, well I need to please God and sing songs about Him, and and that's fine. If you want to do that, fine. That's just not where I am anymore. There's no shame in that. It's not a wrong thing. It's just. It's just don't shut that stuff off in yourself. Bring that. If you want to worship God, bring that in your worship. That you're angry, that you're pissed, that you're horny, that you are that you want connection, that you feel lonely, that you're judging people because you feel insecure, you hate people. I mean, all of that stuff needs to be touched. It has to be touched. Or it will always be hidden in the shadows, and it will always um, actually, um, it will fuel and drive us. Always, unless we look within. And so that, my friends, is what I believe true religion is. And um, it's, it's moving from this external focus to this internal focus. And then when we do actually connect to that in ourselves, inevitably, we will, I believe we will connect to the divine. We'll wake up. We'll see things in a different way, in a different light. And we will want to share this love to one another and care for people in that way. In order to love someone that I hate, I have to first look at the hate and feel the hate and express it, not in a destructive way, but there's a reason why that hate's there. There's a reason. And so we have to go be willing to bravely, courageously travel within the discomforting, the discomfort or the uncomfortable places. I'm going to change a word around there. But but we have to be willing to go into the uncomfortable places in ourselves. And when you can feel yourself inside, like, no, I don't want to look at that, which there are things in me that I still do that. Um, that, thing, that thing will be this ominous presence in your life until you go and look, until you go and connect to that. And so, my friends, I hope... I hope that you take in these words and I hope that you see this and I hope that it made sense and I hope I hope that this stirs in you this desire to start connecting differently with others and with yourself in life and um, and may that lead to some beautiful experiences and may that lead you to live out the way that you were meant to live out in your own uniqueness in your own individualness your own personhood, but that it may be imbued with vulnerability, with honesty, with genuineness, with love and compassion. Well, folks, until next time.